Okay, y'all are in for a treat. <laughs> I don't know what kind, but some kind. So anyhow, you're here because God got you here. And uh, I always ask Pastor when he asked me to do something like this, I said, did God tell you to do that? I said, because uh, I feel not worthy to do it, but I'm honored to do it. And so today you'll hear some stuff uh, from a country boy. But you know, God's great. He's good. And God uses the body of Christ, and I just got this handed to me. Isaiah 51, 16, I am the Lord your God. I stir up the seas, causing the waves to roar. I created the sun and the stars and all creation with my word, and I have put my word in your mouth. Uh, you own mine, and you are mine. I hold you safely in my hand, and I need that. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, this morning, I'm going to send you a few scriptures, give you a few scriptures, and I'm mostly going to probably spend my time in Satan was defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And so the only thing I can really do when and the Lord calls me to do something like this is just ask him what he want me to say. And so after I get it about three times, I figure, okay, this must be the Lord. But to start out, well, first, let's pray. Father, just thank you that I have this opportunity that you trust me with your word enough to uh, present a word here this morning. I just thank you that you'll anoint it and you'll open hearts and ears, and it'll do what it's supposed to do. So he who has ears, let and receive the word of God in Jesus' name. Okay, I saw this morning, Darlene put it on Facebook, probably a lot of you saw it. and <laughs> I just have to read it because it's an old farmer's advice. And I'm 70, and I'm an old farmer. <laughs> Your fences need to be high, pig tight, and bull strong. Life is simple when you plow around the stump. A bumblebee is considered faster than a John Deere tractor. I can test that one. <laughs> Words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. Meanness doesn't just happen overnight. <laughs> Forgive your enemies, it messes up their heads. I love that one. <laughs> Do not uh, corner something that you know is meaner than you. These are really good, aren't they? I mean, this. <laughs> uh, I don't take a very big, per it doesn't take a very big person to hold a grudge, that's for sure. You cannot unsay a cruel word. Mm. Every path has a few puddles. When you wallow with pigs, expect to get dirty. Now, is that scripture or what? That's kind of the way I remember them. The best sermons are lived, not preached. We've all heard that. Most of the stuff people worry about ain't never going to happen anyway. Don't judge folks by their relatives. Amen. <laughs> not talking about my relative, just in case. Remember that silence is sometimes the best answer. I have more. <laughs> Don't interfere with something that ain't bothering you none. You know, don't be nosy. That's a hard one for me. Um, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is quit digging. Uh-huh. Sometimes you get, and sometimes you get got. The biggest trouble, oh, this one, y'all, ooh. The biggest troublemaker you'll probably ever have to deal with watches you from the mirror every morning. 
<laughs> always drink upstream from the herd. <laughs> Wisdom. Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot comes from bad judgment. Isn't that right? Learn the hard way. Letting the cat out of this one. Letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. How many of us have done that? This cat in him. Oh. Wow. If you get to thinking you're a person of some influence, try and ordering someone else's dog around. <laughs> oh, man, that's what I feel right now. Um, <laughs> live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and enjoy the ride. Don't pick a fight with an older man. If he's too old to fight, he might just shoot you. <laughs> so... I don't know. That might be a pretty good message right there and just go home early. But the cafe would get locked up, so we're not going to do that. So, anyhow, uh, this last year, the Lord's been speaking to me a lot. Whoa! I want my message, y'all. So, uh, about the kingdom of God and the power of God. If I was going to title this talk today, I would talk about the power of God because a lot of the testimony that I'm going to share with you has to do with what God's done in our lives and through us and with us when we don't really even feel worthy or think we deserve it or uh, even really can understand why. And why does this happen and why does it not happen to others? But anyhow, a few scriptures I might give you. says, uh, so what is the kingdom of God? And scripture tells us that the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. That's why I wanted to talk to you about power. And so power of what, and I shared some of this in Sunday school last week, uh, power in uh, concordance says strength, ability, residing in you, powerful miracles, moral power, excellence of soul, power in wealth, power in numbers, and power resting on armies. So that's kind of the power he's talking about, the dunamis power that we receive in Christ. And so... What I want to do is share a few of those uh, this morning. And, and I thought it's a blessing how God just used the body of Christ. Uh, there was a word that was given to me that the Lord gave to a person this morning. And Sunday school, Jody wrote a song. It was about power and unity and how important unity is. And that was awesome. And we saw some Sunday school about wrong power, but we know God has the ultimate power. And even last week, I was led to sing that new Lauren Daigle song in Sunday school about uh, we can't figure it out. When darkness seems to win, the world's crumbling, it's still Jesus. Look up. He's in control. So what I want to show you is that uh, some miracles this morning. Uh, in, in John 3, 3 and 5, uh, Jesus is telling uh, Nicodemus that you must be born again to enter in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom will, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the kingdom because that would be a long series. But I'm saying that in the kingdom, you receive power. And the disciples went out and just said, you know, if they receive you, that release the kingdom, release the power. If they don't, go on. And uh, Jesus even said, the kingdom of God has come near you. So he's referring also to the, the power of God. And so uh, when we look at the power of God, John's telling us right here, Jesus in John 3, 3 and 5, unless you are born again, you cannot see, and 5 says, enter the kingdom of God in heaven. 
Well, a lot of people, I think, look at the kingdom of God that that's only a heavenly kingdom that comes when you die. But Jesus said to pray that the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And if you go to looking up the kingdom, it's mentioned so many times in the Bible. And so the kingdom is something that uh, when we enter in, it's something that you get sold out to. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're selling your heart out to Jesus because he's already bought you, paid the price for you. It means that you are committed. It means that you do it with aggression, not passive. It means you have an internal rulership. And it also means you have childlike faith. And that's not being childish. That's childlike trust and belief and, and those type of things. That you have faith. You have love. So those are the things that will bring you in to the kingdom when we become born again. So I'd say that's very important in our walk with Christ. I would say it's the most important. So when we do that, then uh, we are receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in some ways. Now, um, I believe if you want to look at uh, John 20, 22, even the disciples when they were with Jesus, they knew Jesus. They came to believe Jesus was the Messiah. They were with him. They heard all these stories. They saw the miracles. They saw everything. But in John 20, 22, after he'd walked through walls, after he'd sat down and talked to him, told them all what to do, then guess what he did? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I, now, y'all check everything I say out in Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you. I don't want the responsibility of what the Bible says when you're teaching if you teach it wrong. So I'm repenting of it right now if I am. But for me, I believe that Jesus had to breathe on them to receive the Spirit to get born again right there. And the reason I say it, because a little later, he talks about to them, and he says, now I want you to hang around in Jerusalem and don't leave the city until you're endued with power, clothed with power on high. And we uh, in the church call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that's two major experiences that uh, the Bible is calling us to and, and uh, Jesus calls us to. Because he says that he's going to, in Luke 24, 49, that he's going to send the promise of the Father to you. And that's why he says to wait in the city. Okay. I want to talk to you about, my name is Frank Jones. Our Frankie, our Papa, our three, our some other names probably. <laughs> but I'll stick with those for this. And uh, I, I was born in Refugio, Texas, and I was moved up here in Utopia when I was two weeks old. And uh, I'm a church boy. I uh, grew up on the ranch out here, and I grew up in Jesus. I grew up going to church probably every time the door was open, unless we were on vacation or sick. Every Sunday school class, probably. Every revival, I'm sure. Um, every revival from other churches, I'm sure. And I knew the word. I didn't know the word. I knew about the word. I knew about Jesus. I knew all the stories in the Bible, uh, you know, Bible school, all that. And I grew up in that situation. My wife, on the other hand, did not grow up that way. 
I will say that she had no religious spirits on her when she started coming to church and ended up uh, being born again. But I had plenty of them. And so I've been a broken person letting the Lord put me back together for 48 years now. And so uh, it's an amazing thing to see what God does in your life and how he uses people. And we have a miracle-working God. Part of that Part of that word about power, power to do miracles, power to let God use you in doing miracles. And so we've seen a lot of that in our life, and uh, it rocks your world. It, the first miracle I said this morning to Darlene was that I'm up here, and she said, no, it's not. first miracle, I fixed breakfast this morning, because <laughs> that's what I do on Sunday mornings. So anyhow, see, there's little miracles, and I'll show you some really big ones here in a minute. So anyhow, uh, I went through the uh, confirmation classes, all that, and when I was about 12, 14, I joined the church. I didn't get born again. I said I believed in Jesus, but I can't ever remember not believing in God, believing Jesus is real. I can't ever remember not, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if any of y'all went through that. I think Pastor went a little with that same walk. Uh, Sometimes it's a bigger transformation when you didn't see anything and the light comes on. I mean, it's from dark to light like that. But I went from a dim light to a bright light, say it that way. And then another brighter experience even. So then, you know, that was my life. And so I went to, I graduated high school, uh, fought for last place in class. Uh, I'm not sure if, if I won or a friend of mine won. And uh, But that was in the time of the Vietnam War, and so then you either went to war or you went to school. So being last in the school and being a lover, not a fighter, I said, I better go to school. So I went to uh, college, junior college, and ended up graduating uh, and from A&M uh, for, in four years the whole time. And it's amazing what war can, how it can motivate you. And I had to deal a little with guilt about that because I have friends that, you know, a lot of friends that went, went to war. And I think God knew what he was doing. And because I've never really won anything, but in my college they had the lottery, and I got 352. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, something's going on here. So we, I'm married at uh, 20 years old. And uh, my dad told us when we got married, said, go to church. That's good for you. Not that that's what believers are supposed to do. And it's a good place to have friends. So I tried, and we were in college, and I, I tried to, do it to suck up to uh, uh, instructors. That didn't work. But we went to a really good little church, and they were way too friendly. Kind of like y'all. <laughs> and it scared me. So we didn't go there. But when... Uh, and here's this how God worked, y'all. I had a job. I interviewed. Um, I did pretty good in school, actually, from one last to the first one to graduate college in my class. But uh, I did okay. And I got a job right off at Poteet, Texas. And uh, the guy, the superintendent says, show up, call me two weeks before, and uh, I'll have a trailer place for you. We had a mobile home. And you can get started with a two-teacher department. And I was all excited, strawberry capital of the world. <laughs> and so I called two weeks, and they answered the phone. Secretary, I need to talk to superintendent so-and-so. And they said, well, Mr. Jones, you hadn't heard? I said, no. 
he got fired, and everybody he hired got fired with him. So I got fired two times in my life, <laughs> once from uh, that and once from my family, <laughs> uh, which is the best thing ever happened to me. <laughs> but uh, that was after 40-something years, so I guess I did okay for a while. And it, but God sent us to Goliad, Texas. And uh, it was no coincidence that that wasn't ordained by God because we get there. And I know, we were in the Methodist church there. We grew up in the Methodist church. And uh, so we went there because my dad said that's what we ought to do. And shortly after we were there, we had a little spirit-filled pastor. And they had a Holy Spirit mission going on in the Methodist church in those days. And it was a uh, a lay witness mission, they called it, and it was about a three-day event where lay people gave talks, and they uh, had little classes and, and all that. Well, it just so happened they had a, the leader of that was the police chief of Houston, Texas. And he, when he gave his talk, he was not a believer, maybe a partial believer, but not a strong believer, and uh, was diagnosed with cancer. He had a battle with his neighbor. They were like cats and dogs, Hatfield and McCoys. And he gave his testimony and shared about that. And he get, was given, he, they did a surgery on him, and he had cancer completely through his body. He had three weeks to live. And so someone talked him into going to a Catherine Kuhlman conference. And I don't know if you all are familiar with Catherine Kuhlman, but an amazing spirit-filled lady that, had a healing ministry, and so um, he went to that meeting, and she would get words of knowledge and called out someone with cancer. It's not long to live. God's going to heal you if you'll stand up and receive it. And he said, that's got to be me. And the guy stands up, and he said he felt the power of God come in, and he went to the altar, to the stage, and he got stronger every step he took, kind of like they were healed as they were going, you know, and uh, he goes up, and she lays hands on him, prays for him, and the power of God hits him. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. He runs back to the chair. He goes home, does push-ups, and goes back to the doctor in three weeks, has zero cancer. We have a miracle-working, powerful God. Don't ask me how. Happens. Some get it, and some don't, but some do. I do want to go right now to uh, leave that story and go over to John. I shared these scriptures in Sunday school last week, John 14, and one and two of them there, and one in 15. And I believe it has a little bit to do with when we love God and we obey God and we do those commands, love two new commandments, love God with your heart, body, mind, soul, love your neighbors, yourself then these things that it says in these scriptures will come alive and you'll start living them, believing them, and seeing them. So John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, that's a great thing when Jesus manifests himself to you because he's going to show you himself, his nature. And while I was looking up that word manifest, it has to do with 
one, one part of that has to do with uh, like a ship's manifest, what's on the ship. So when Jesus comes to you and you see him and he reveals himself to you, he also starts revealing his nature, his aspect, who he is, what he can do, his power. And you don't get it all at once. But commands are very important. I say, well, now I said, just do what Jesus tells you. That's why I asked Robert, did Jesus tell you to do that? So, okay, and then 23, if anyone loves me, see, love and faith is the catalyst for commands, keeping, and abiding. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our, he, we will come to him and make our home in him. So we do understand these commands, which means we have to have the word to do it. And he'll make his home in us. That means you know what a home is. And you know who's in your home. So it stays there. And then on 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask the Father and what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So how many times have we asked, read that scripture, asked the Father, and it hasn't happened? Or you haven't seen it happen yet? Well, maybe it means back over to these other two scriptures. Maybe we haven't followed the commands, but you have to know the commands to follow them. You have to know the promises to believe you're going to receive them. And if you keep my word, if you keep it, it means it's yours. I keep my pocket knife in my pocket all the time, but every now and then I set it on the dresser or I forget it. And when I need it, I'm like, where's my pocket knife? So keeping means you keep it with you all the time. And then abiding, I heard a, a deal this morning on that, abiding. Oh, when put it on. He said abiding is like if you're talking to someone, you're looking at them, and they're moving their mouth, but you're thinking of something else, you're not abiding. If you're looking and you're paying attention, you're abiding in the Word. So that means you've got to grab hold of that Word, keep it, love it, hold on to it, and it needs to be the first thing that rises up in your mouth and in your thoughts. And, I mean, we've been hearing messages about this, you guys, forever. But I just felt like the Lord said, okay, this is, this is part of the kingdom that we have to grab a hold to walk in the things of the kingdom. <laughs> so you can study those out for yourself. I would say get your concordance, look up those different words in there, see what they mean. Uh, it's so easy now if you have a cell phone, you can get you an app that has a concordance on there and you don't have to carry that monster book around, do all that. So anyhow, back to the lay witness uh, mission that we had there. That night he had an altar call and Darlene went down, gave her heart to Jesus, and I never could stand it if she got something I didn't get. So I felt that pull. I will have to admit to you that I was not ever not called to make a profession of faith. Every time a person made an altar call as a young boy until that time, no matter where I was, I felt that pull. But I also thought because I was in church every Sunday and every Sunday school that I don't need to do that. The enemy would tell me. The wrong voice would tell me, oh, you don't need to do that. You're a member of that church. Oh, you don't need that. You've been in Sunday school all your life. You've probably heard more messages than a preacher, you know. And so the Holy Spirit was doing his job, pulling, pulling, pulling. So 22 years old, I went up and gave my heart to Jesus. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And see it. 
see it operation, how it operates. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing miracle when you're transformed and the light comes and hits you. So that happened for me. My wife, not being full of religion, she received it. And they said, would you like to receive the baptism and even the prayer language? Sure. So she not only gets saved, she gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, comes home with this prayer language, and I am freaked out. But not freaked out that she had it, freaked out that I didn't have it. And so I'm like, well, I want that language. Well, I could, no, it didn't happen. But I only struggled 25 years with that. But some great saints that the Lord sent uh, gave me a Bible, and we've been in Bible studies most of our life and prayer groups. And so I learned about that. I taught about that. But 22 years later, 22 years later, um, that came about. It came about after some tragedy in our family. And uh, I really started seeking the Lord for what he had, not what I could get from him, but what he had for me. And it was just a little mind change. And uh, you, I mean, you look, I might go over here in a minute, and I'll show you the scriptures on all that. But anyhow, back to that, we, uh, we were on fire. A change happened. Usually a change happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes into you. For me, it was to read the Word. I'd never read a, a book. Sounds like Pastor and Skip talking. I never read a book till so-and-so and so-and-so, and it was the old man in the sea. I think it was all three of us read that same book, and I think I read all but one or two chapters of it. But right then, God instilled in my heart to read the Word. Because why? I need to know what He said. I need to know His nature. Because his nature was in me now. And so, first book I read was Job. And I picked Job out because it was the three shortest letters. And I thought, that's bound to be a short chapter. And I used a Gideon's Bible. It was in my desk. I was teaching Ag in Goliad, Texas. And, and used the Gideon Bible and read Job and got several re revelations out of Job. And it was really good. But then I just continued to read and study and was on fire and, and led some groups and youth groups, uh, high school groups. We could do Bible studies then in those days, so got to lead some of those. And uh, we saw a lot of miracles happen uh, in our Bible study, in our prayer group there. One miracle, and I'm not talking about the power of God working, y'all. We, then we're babies Christians. But the Holy Spirit is really working, teaching us. And Darlene lost her bilfo. And I had a little Ford Fairlane GT, and it's simple. It's back seat. Floors are open. No air conditioner. Bucket seats. You could see everything in that car. I tore it apart looking for that billfold. Could not find it. Uh, we may have had one credit card in those days, and it was probably gas. But it was still important for Darlene, driver's license in it. So we were at prayer group, and we just prayed that that billfold would show up. And we laughed at that and, and went on. And the next morning, I get up going to school, and I walk by the car and look, and I just torn that car apart the evening before, prayer group, going to school, looked in the back, and the billfold's in the back floorboard. I don't know if it, someone got it and put it in there. I don't know if God put it in there. I know it wasn't there, and it was there. Miracle working power of God, however it happened. You have to grab a hold of those things and remember and abide in those things. So that was just one. We moved to uh, 
through Utopia after three years of being in Goliad, and I wanted to help my dad. He needed a lot of help, and uh, so I came back, and we moved here, and uh, we were involved in church. The difference when we got here, there wasn't many young couples uh, at that time. wasn't too much going on with Bible studies, but I knew we needed to be in church because I'm a church boy. And I kept my family in church and Sunday school, and all my kids grew up in church and and, and all those things. We were all married in church. And, uh, well, come, lo and behold, going down that road, we get another spirit-filled preacher moved into Utopia. And he's the Spirit of God, hope, baptized in the Holy Spirit, was really released, anointed, and started. God started really working on me because I would love to tell you all that our Christian walk has been just like this towards heaven. Kind of like a wave, tossed around. But uh, God still used us. God still used people. God still did miracles. So anyhow, we're in that church, and, and uh, a lot of good spiritual things had to happen. And what happened mainly was he got us back into the Word. When he got us back in the Word, then we started learning more of the promises, more of the commands, more how we speak, more of those things that we get taught. And we were actually involved in it. So we're going along pretty good, but we're living in this flesh, and we're living in the spirit. We're living in the flesh, and you know how that goes. So anyhow, a tragedy came in our house. My wife uh, ended up a, a breast biopsy that went awry, and um, what happened is when that happened, this fluid started leaking in her chest cavity, and uh, three months it leaked in there, and she got really sick and terrible pain and in a flood, of course, on a Sunday. We jumped the river on Medina River and took her to the emergency room, and they put her in and treated her for pneumonia for three weeks. But here's how God works again. We made it, and three weeks she wasn't getting any better. She was getting worse. But a friend of mine, Dr. Pittman, from right down here, Pittman Ranch, see the sign? Uh, showed up, because he's a friend of mine. I bailed hay for him and did some welding, stuff like that. Showed up and talked to her. He was a surgeon. And I talked to her about five, ten minutes. and said, she doesn't have pneumonia. She has something else. You need to talk to your doctors or get her out of here. And so I talked to another friend of my dad's, a childhood friend that was a doctor, and said, it's not that. need to check on something else. Well, they diagnosed her then that she had uh, what they call empyema, which is a fluid built up about that thick, about like a watermelon rind, on the outside of her lung, and it was hard like a watermelon rind, couldn't drain it off. So they, the surgeon sets us in the room and tells us, uh, this is a very serious thing. We're going to have, it's more serious than open heart surgery. We're going to have to cut, take a rib out, pry you open, and scrape all that stuff out, slap you back together, and hope and pray you live. So you need to. So we had our little crying time, <laughs> and uh, but we're believing God. So we know the word, some of the word, and so she does. Goes in surgery, comes out doing pretty good. Well, a day or two later, she starts swelling up, and I'm watching her like a hawk. This went on nine weeks, guys. Three weeks checking her. Three more weeks in intensive care. Uh, she crashed, and the doctor called me at 5 o'clock, get over here. She may not make it today. And I'm driving 90 to Kerrville and the deer and made it. 
and get over there and she's gasping for air and telling me goodbye and in between the gasp. And I can't laugh about it now because it is miserable. But uh, anyhow, I probably prophesied the most important, some of the most important thing I ever prophesied when she said she's going to be at the, go be at the Lord. And those three nurses are telling me that, they're talking about that at the end. I said, there's no nurses there. So I believe that was an angels, three angels. And I looked there and I said, you'll live and not die, and it's not your time to die. I wasn't so smart to know that I was prophesying that over her. I was declaring the works of God. And uh, so my kids show up, and I think there was 22 of our friends in the waiting room. That, that scripture about power, that power in numbers, man, guys, don't get so prideful when something happens you don't call the numbers in the armies of the Lord. That's why we have prayer teams. That's why we have prayer group, all that, and uh, do it because it's important. There were thousands of people praying for my wife by then, lighting candles, keeping them wet all night. And my kids showed up. Robert was about 20. I think Amy was 17. And um, they come in, and we walk right through their friends. And y'all were there. And uh, we go up in the chapel and pray. And uh, Robert and I both felt hot oil pulled on our head, ran all the way down to our feet. And it was a real confirmation. And he came out, and he said, Dad, I had this experience. I said, I had it too. He said, the Lord told me he's not even saved, y'all that the Holy Spirit's working. And he says, the Lord told me she's not going to die. So there's another prophecy. So we held on to that. Now I can tell you, for another six weeks in intensive care, that was kind of hard to hold on to. If you keep my words, if you abide in them, hold on to the command, so I'm just doing what I command, we had so much love poured out. We had, I had one friend that stayed with me part of the day, every day, for nine weeks. Love is a catalyst. God gave it to us. He poured it into us. Use it. So anyhow, we're there, and after three weeks, she has four tubes in her, draining fluid, two trees of IV stuff. Every hole in her body had some kind of tube in it. And, I mean, they've had her in a coma for a while. And she was getting worse and worse and worse. And another angel of the Lord in a two-legged form came to me that worked there and said, you need to get her out of here. They're worn out. They've given up. They don't know what to do. They're going to let her die. So I had to sign over everything we had to get her out of there. And we moved her to San Antonio, and she made that trip. And she was there for three more weeks in intensive care. And two of those weeks were in the uh, ICU Heart ICU, which is the most watched one, I think. And they took her off all of the amnesia medicine and the uh, uh, coma medicine to see if she would wake up. And they changed a few things, you know, as far as her medications or uh, mostly just uh, the food they gave her, which was in a tube. She was completely out, gotten about that big then. And I would go in every day and I'd talk with her. And I got, truthfully, I got really tired. And I got to the point that, okay, Lord, if you want her, you can have her. I'll make it. 
Kids and I will make it. We'll still love you. We'll still go to church. And, uh, and that's what I said. And about that time, Nancy Westerfield Thompson call, had Randy Needham, the pastor here, uh, call me and pray with me and ask, what are you believing, Frankie? And I said, well, I'm believing for healing. She, doctors say that slim chance, but um, I'm believing for healing. Well, what kind? I said, I'm not going to tell God what kind at this point. I'm just believing in healing. So he prayed this prayer. Next day, they moved her to the dying ICU, I called it, because everybody nearly I saw in that room for the next three days died, or a lot of them did. They would haul them out of there, and I'm like, you know, but the next day, she opened her eyes, and she has a trach, you know, and she can't talk, of course, and I'm like, you know where you are? <laughs> and uh, she was like, how would I know? And uh, so... I stay there, and she'd been on 100% oxygen for weeks, and they were saying, you know, she's probably going to be brain dead. They were asking me in the other ICU, you need to think about disconnecting her from life support. That's pretty serious. And so I'm like, well, not yet. You know, I still have hope. And one of the doctors came in and says, you, there's always hope as long as they're alive. So that was a good word. And so anyhow... Uh, I left that evening, and when I I knew they found this out the next day, but they had lowered her oxygen to about 80%. So I get there the next day, and she's up walking. And her uh, pulmonologist is there that that surgeon sent me to at the other hospital that this group is good. And he's scratching his head, and he has both x-rays up there from the day before and that day. And he, I said, what's going on? He said, I want you to look at this. He said, that happened yesterday evening. There was about that much of her lung that had cleared, one lung. And the next morning, both lungs were completely clear all the way. Power of God. Power of agreement. Power in number. Power in the army of God. Power in spoken word. Power, and I, I'm not trying to build up and say that we're special because of that. We're all special. And the revelation I got there is the ones that go through the same thing, believe the same thing, do the same thing, and maybe they lost their loved one and still love Jesus. There's your bigger miracle. This is just a puff, but I know puff of time. And so God was using this for some purpose, maybe to share with y'all today. I don't know. It's his purpose, not mine. So anyhow, the next day, they moved her to another room. Some of her friends came down, shaved her legs, and, and combed her and washed her hair. And we stayed in that room a day. We went to another room the next day, and they came in and said, well, we're releasing y'all tomorrow. So I brought her home, and then the church family got together and had a fattening up Darlene program. Uh, double milkshakes and all this food, and I gained 35 pounds. <laughs> the love of God being poured out through the body of Christ. So anyhow, that was uh, part of our walk. And then we had some more disaster happen in our family with kids. And at that time, uh, we were in another prayer group, and uh, I know Bill and Dixie were in it and several other people, and... Uh, we went through a, a book in there, and Bill Dean was put in my life. When I first saw him in town, he had on a tight shirt and tight 
pants was wearing, short pants wearing a bicycle, and the Lord said, he's going to be your friend for the rest of your life. And I said, not that guy. <laughs> but God was right. And so anyhow, he, he, uh, we were in that Bible study, and, and the man, we were looking at a book of that movement of the Holy Spirit that we experienced in the 70s. And we were looking at it, and he said, I don't know about that baptism and the Holy Spirit and that praying in tongues stuff and all that. And, and he said, you know anybody that does that? And, of course, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> live with one. And says, well, I don't, but I, know, I don't have it, but I would like to have it out of my mouth. Be careful what you speak out of your mouth. So, anyhow, a few little later, he was led to develop a, a, a prayer visual. I think it was 12 hours. Rain, revival, and repentance. So I signed up for a 30-minute slot in the afternoon, and I went down, and there was a little prayer room there, the altar, and the stained glass window that the sun came in. And I'm in there, and 10 minutes I prayed for everything we had, dog, cats, family, friends, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I was at the end of my praying rope, you might say. And I just look and I said, all right, Lord, out of my mouth, out loud, I give up. Go ahead and baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And to God is my witness, the room lit up bright light. It was a cloudy day, no sun coming through the windows. But when I opened my eyes, I didn't see that light. But there was a bright light. Right then, the Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And then I made the mistake, <laughs> which was the right thing to do. Lord, what would you have me do? And he said, a guy was walking down the sidewalk that I've been battling on the finance committee for two years that I wanted to choke. And he says, you can start by loving that guy. So all these things without love really has no power. All this is attached with love and faith. And so you get a test, y'all. You get a test when these things come. So uh, we're in church, and this pastor, this new spirit-filled pastor that we had, would uh, call us to prayer, you know, a prayer thing for to pray over. And then he would call us up if you want to stand in the gap and intercede. And he would anoint us and pray for whatever your prayer thing was. And, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, this guy says, I have a friend that's going blind, my best friend in life, put him on the prayer list. And the Holy Spirit was dragging me and dragging me, you need to go up and stand for this guy. It was my little love test. Am I willing to love those that maybe didn't love me? And so we went through, and a few people did whatever they did, but the Holy Spirit is still dragging me. We're out of the time space for it now, but not out of God's time. He just kept dragging me and dragging me, and finally I get up. I said, you just got to wait. I've got to do this. I want to stand in for that guy's friend. And he anointed me and prayed, and that burnt in my head. And I, I went and asked him later, did you use jalapeno juice and anointing oil? And no, no. Well, it did something in the spirit realm. Because God is power and it's in the spirit realm. You must worship me in spirit and truth. And so that was part of the worship being obedient. So I walk outside, the guy comes up and gives me a hug and loves on me and thanks me and thanks me and thanks me. And said, the Holy Spirit was telling me to do it, but I couldn't let myself do it. And that broke that anger. It broke 
his anger toward me, and we, we weren't best buddies, but we were friends the rest, rest of his life, and he died a couple years ago, <laughs> maybe last year. Anyhow, God is a miracle-working God. He restores relationships. And actually, the next year, I asked him, hey, whatever happened to your friend? He says, oh, he got healed. Power of God. Power of God. More than you can ask or imagine. I just want to share. Uh, yeah, I told you that, that the prayer group with my friend Bill Dean, well, I, I ended up asking about the Holy Spirit and, and uh, learned that, well, you need to ask. And so I did, and, and I ended up getting a prayer language. I watching TV with another evangelist and said to pray in spirit, and you at home praying in spirit, and bam. Got, I don't know, 25 years to that point, so you don't have to have a prayer language to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's a good idea to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one thing that happened to me after that, that highlight in my life is a lady came up to me and said, would you like to write an article for a newsletter? I said, I've never written a thing. But if the Lord gives me something, I will. Well, 55 stories less. Uh, I had 55 stories that the Lord gave me about. You, you've probably read some of them, if any of you have that, that book. Y'all, I fought for last place in class and write terrible. You can ask my wife, spell terrible. And God used me to have a book? Is that a miracle? And I read it, and I get blessed. And that's not being arrogant. That's being the power of God using any of us to make a point or a purpose. So anyhow, uh, we're going on down the road, and, and we really are trying more to abide in. And the Lord led us to over here, I don't know, 17 years ago now, something like that to be a part of this church, and it's been so blessed because spirit-filled and loving people, not saying anything about the church we came out of because we, we, uh, we all were baptized there. We all were taught the Word of God. It wasn't their fault that when the Holy Spirit called it that didn't respond. Uh, you know, we were married there. I got born again in that church. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in that church. And then God sent me over to a Holy Ghost church. <laughs> and so I love that. I thank him for it. And I know it's for a purpose. One more little, one more little miracle, and I'll, I'll let us go. Uh, my granddaughter was about three or four years old in, in Brian's uh, college station, and we went to her birthday party. It was three or four. Three. And uh, we went to a public pool. All our family are water dogs. We love the water, and they learn to swim real early in life. And uh, we were at this, this meeting, and we had a public pool, and there was a whole lot of families. It's like four foot deep, and having our picnic there for her birthday party. Well, that morning I woke up, and the Lord woke me up at 5 o'clock, and I'm just praying and says, if you'll believe me today, I'll show you my resurrection power. Well, I want to back up now just a little bit. You're going to get the rest of this. But right standing right there, when the church was this direction, right about there, my friend Bill Dean came down on a Wednesday night and gave a word about Elijah. 
going in a cave and being fed by the buzzards. And I don't remember exactly the point he had, but when he got ready to go, he said, oh, and by the way, the Lord told me, Frankie, that you're going to be a part of raising somebody from the dead. And we all laughed. So I said, okay, I received that. And uh, this was a few years later when we were at this birthday party. And I'm filming, have the camera, and I'm filming the birthday party. And uh, there was a little boy, three years old. His name was Christian. And his parents were watching him and were opening the cake and, and presents. And I can see him. This is hindsight after I watched the video. You could see him come up, and then he disappeared. But you could see the dad looking at the mom and the mom looking at the dad who's watching Christian. And this went on for 15 minutes because I had the video to prove it. And about that time, everybody out of the pool, and uh, we all got out, and they dragged little Christian out of the water, drowned And my son-in-law at that time, uh, mom, grandmother was a missionary. He was there. And we were there, and we got as close as we could. All those families probably were playing, praying, unity and numbers and little christian was there and the lifeguards were working on him they called the ems and they worked on him probably another 15 minutes no response turned blue and we're there praying praying in the holy ghost believing god and we saw life come in that kid just like that and then the lord reminded you i told you if you would believe me you'll see my resurrection power. All we did is pray, like everyone else, but God spoke something and said, you believe it. Believe it and receive it. So I can't tell you that I had, actually I argued with God when he told me that. I said, well, Lord, the only one I know sick is Laura Long, and she's in the hospital, but we're here, and we won't be there for two days, but okay, whatever you say, I believe it. That was my prayer back, but arguing but I've learned that God is always right when he tells you something. Just do what he says. Just believe it. It's not our power. It's his power working in us. So he's there. The EMS gets there. They're going out, and he's on the gurney, and he's alive, but he's not making any noise. And my son-in-law said, let's get together right now and believe and pray for a Christian and he led us in a prayer, and the kids started yelling. They took him to the hospital and sent him home in three hours. You know, Robert's been talking to us about, I want to see the power of God operating in the church through all of us. I, don't, I want that same thing. Is that what y'all want? See, that's unity and, and believing. And I want to see everybody healed and prosper and healthy I don't want to deal with stuff like that. I want the kingdom of heaven on earth because it's there. He told, sent the disciples out with authority and power. In Mark 16, he sends us out, preach the word and heal the sick and cast out demons, raise the dead. You know, those are things of the gospel, the good news. It's not just get saved and live your life battle. We, it is a battle. It is a battle. But we have a powerful, powerful God. And I've got so many more of those stories. Most of you in here probably have heard these, but this is what the Lord told me to tell you. There's a miracle-working God. There's power. 
I've seen him take atheists and turn them into Sunday school teachers. I've seen drug addicts get delivered like that and serve the Lord. I've seen sick people heal. I've seen sick people die but love the Lord. I've seen life go up and down, but God never leaves them or forsakes them. Even if a person is dealing in sin, God is not leaving them. He's always there working. He can use any of us to do anything if we'll let him. I am a perfect example. Ask Darlene. <laughs> so, that's all the Lord had me to tell you today. So if I can have a prayer group up. And uh, Lord, would you like to play a little something? <laughs> I was going to sing you a song, but <laughs> I said enough. <laughs> Actually, uh, the Lord gave me a song after some of these events happened, uh, and it was a testimony song. And uh, it's basically it's kind of what I told you that, I needed his, the last verse, I need your power to do your will, to walk in your holy ways. I still need that power to do his will and walk in his holy ways today. So, uh, where's Bruce and Sharon? Oh, okay, there. You must be born again to enter in or see the kingdom. God wants us to operate in the kingdom he wants us to operate in the power and the authority. He wants us to receive everything he's done for us. And it makes him really happy. Really happy. He wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John said in Luke 3.3, 3, John the Baptist said that I baptize you with water for the remission of sin, but one greater than me coming that I'm not even worthy to wear his sandals. He baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Luke 11, 9 through 13 talks about ask seeking and knocking and talks about what father being evil that knows how to give good gifts to his children. Um, how much more would the Holy God give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? I showed you that power when I asked in agreement, in a prayer agreement, then the Lord was faithful. He's faithful to every person since then that, that uh, the Lord's led to me to tell them about the Holy Spirit and the power. It changed my life and still changing my life. So anyhow, we have a prayer team like we do every week and we're here uh, to have agreement with you you know, whether it's just a prayer concern, maybe you need numbers to pray over a situation. Uh, I can tell you miracles happen right here. Uh, I'll tell you one. Right? Jose came up a few weeks ago, months ago now, and wanted a prayer. Things was going on, and he came back later and said, hey, I got healed of that. So it happens right here. And Jose, I hope it's okay I shared that. But he wants you baptized in the Holy Spirit also. It's just a matter of with by faith you're saved. By faith you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you hadn't done that and the Lord's telling you you need to, don't leave you like me and go from 12 years old to 22 or from 22 to 30. I don't know, 40. That's quite a while, 25, 20-something years, I think. Don't, 
don't wait that long. It's not a big deal. It's not a religious thing. If you have a different belief and God still loves you, you still have the Spirit of God in you. When He breathes on you, you're born again. But He's got more for you if you want it. And these people could pray with you in agreement and you receive. Because Jesus, if you ask Jesus to baptize in the Holy Spirit, He will. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. So anyhow, let me pray over you and then we'll go. Father, just thank you for the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. I thank you for your word going out in power. Thank you, Lord, for people that are receptive to hear. Lord, I thank you that you break off every drop of fear, uh, every drop of pride that might even be on any of us. And that we submit, surrender to you, Lord, every area of our life, uh, not only lordship, but to uh, be empowered through the Holy Spirit. And uh, I thank you for a safe trip back for pastor, and that's good, good uh, experience in the airports, too. Uh, it's always a battle, but let's be a, a, a blessed thing today. Lord, I just thank you that you send them on their way, Lord, in power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.